The text for this morning's worship service is from John 14, the verses 1 through 6, in preparation for Easter coming up in a few weeks. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, when you have heart trouble, then you seek out a good doctor. Often heart surgery is necessary or other medical interventions. You take it seriously, for if you don't, you might die. The text also speaks about the troubles of the heart. It refers, of course, to the spiritual heart, to what lives inside of you. It refers to your inner being, to the seat of your emotions. Do you ever feel that you need heart surgery yourself? No doubt you do. I know I do, for there are lots of things wrong with us. There is often a lot of turmoil within us, isn't there? Our minds and our hearts are never totally at rest. We are never really totally content. <clears throat> there is always something missing in our lives. We never have the feeling of total satisfaction. Why is that? What's wrong? And how do you find a cure? Well, in order to find a cure for your physical heart, you have to go to the right hospital with the right doctor. You have to do the same thing with your spiritual heart. There's only one doctor in the whole world who is going to be able to help. And you already know who that is. That, of course, is the Lord Jesus. But how does he help? For we all believe in him, don't we? Yet we still often feel lonely and disconnected, feeling that we do not really belong. Our hearts are still so troubled all the time. Well, please note that when the Lord Jesus addresses the troubled hearts of his disciples, then he directs them to his father's house. It is from there that the Lord Jesus performs his radical heart surgery. But where is it located? How do you get there? The Lord Jesus says, I am the way. And that's what I will preach to you about this morning. I will preach to you about the way to the right place for a cured heart. 
And then we will see that the Lord Jesus is the way to, in the first place, unsettled hearts, in the second place, uncertain hearts, and in the third place, unsaved hearts. The Lord Jesus feels the need to comfort his disciples. And so he says to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. Why would their hearts be troubled? Well, from the context, it is clear that there are many reasons for their troubled hearts. In the first place, they had been humbled. For the Lord Jesus, gently, had exposed them as selfish, proud, and rivalrous creatures. For prior to this episode, they had thought about who was more important than the other, about who would have the greatest place in heaven. Each of his disciples thought that he had contributed more than the other and therefore was more worthy. In order to illustrate that important principle, he did something quite remarkable. As they sat down together at table to eat, he stooped down to wash their feet. But by so doing, he made them feel ashamed. By his actions, the Lord Jesus showed them how sinful their words and actions were. He put them to shame. Whereas they were troubled about how to gain recognition, the Lord Jesus showed them what they really should be troubled about, namely the well-being of others. They had been troubled about the wrong things. And isn't that the way with us as well? By nature, we are selfish human beings. We want to find satisfaction for ourselves. We want to make sure that we get what we deserve, even at the cost of others. And you see, that's where the problem came in. And that was one of the reasons why their hearts were so troubled. And another thing that caused them to be so disturbed and troubled in their hearts was the fact that the Lord Jesus had just told them that one of them is going to betray him. They were perplexed. Who would do that? And why? How is that possible? And yet another thing that disturbed them was that the Lord Jesus told them that Peter would deny him three times. That's also quite unsettling. And then to top it all off, the Lord Jesus had also told them that in a short while, he is going to leave them. But they don't know where he is going. He even adds that where he goes, they cannot follow, at least not at this time. And that was especially troubling to them. The disciples had been with the Lord Jesus for several years. They loved him dearly. The prospect of him leaving for a place where they cannot follow him made them feel confused and insecure. He had been their leader. He had been their teacher. They had put their hope on him. They had all kinds of aspirations. They saw a great future ahead, and now it's going to come to an end. He is going to go away, and they're going to be lost without him. With this and the other revelation, their world was beginning to fall apart. The disciples had put all their hopes on the Lord Jesus. Had it all been for nothing? They thought that he had come from God. They thought that he was a prophet. 
And they had seen and they had heard all the wonderful things. They loved him and they desperately wanted to be in his presence. But now that they experience all those negative things, their faith begins to waver. They begin to have doubts. And for that reason, as also happened later, they abandoned the Lord Jesus in his hour of greatest need. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus also predicted in Matthew 26, verse 31, when he said to them, This very night you all will fall away on account of me. And so the Lord Jesus has to address their troubled hearts. And then he comes with the first remedy for the diseased and troubled hearts. He says to his disciples, trust in God, trust also in me. That's the first cure he offers. They must trust in him. In the original language, it says that they must keep on believing in him. Keep on believing, that is the concept of trust. Trusting is keep on believing without wavering. You hang on to what you believe in the midst of all what is going on all around you, in the midst of turmoil. And that's what the Lord Jesus has in mind here when he says, trust in me. Keep on believing in me. Why? Why should they trust him? Well, because they could. All they had to do is search the scriptures. All they had to do is find out whether or not the claims that he was making for himself are indeed in accordance with the word of God. They had to look at the things he did and said to determine whether or not he really said whether or not he really is who he said he is. That's also what John the Baptist did. He asked through his disciples whether or not the Lord Jesus is the one they had been waiting for. And then the Lord Jesus reminded John and his disciples of what the scriptures say about him. He says to John's disciples, as we read in Matthew 11, verse 4 and following, Go back and report to John what you hear and see, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear and the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away, account of me. The Lord Jesus was the man of compassion that the Old Testament spoke about, who would come, as it says in Isaiah, to heal the wounds of the brokenhearted. He is such a compassionate man that he is concerned even about their hearts while, as we know from John 13, verse 20, he, 21, he himself is greatly troubled in his own spirit at that time. In the other Gospels, we read that his anguish was so great and that his sorrow was so great that he was at the point of death and that his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. That is how great his agony was, and yet he was concerned about the troubled hearts of his disciples. He still comes with the words of comfort. In the midst of his agony, the shepherd reaches out to the sheep. 
And here you see the ultimate example of service. Although the troubles of the disciples were but small, he ignored his own great troubles for the sake, for their sake. There's the mark of a great healer. No one could have more compassion than he. And yet when he said these things, they all fell on deaf ears. The disciples still did not believe in him. At this point, they had great difficulty trusting him. They did not grasp the greatness of the man before him. They did not yet realize that he is truly the Son of God, that he is more than a prophet, that he is God incarnate, God in the flesh. And therefore their hearts remained troubled. They had to wait for a complete cure for their unsettled hearts. They had to learn the way to healing, to wholeness, to completeness. And brothers and sisters, that takes time, for we are such slow learners, we all are. Isn't that true? When our hearts are unsettled, where do we go? Well, then we want to find shortcuts. We want immediate solutions. We want the pain to go away now. And we want to look for solutions within ourselves. Oh, sure, we say that we believe in the Lord Jesus and trust in him. But do we really? Do we really understand and remember and live according to what we believe? If we did, our hearts wouldn't be as troubled as often as they are. Why do we have such a hard time trusting? Well, there's many reasons for it. And the main reason is that man himself is not trustworthy. The untrustworthiness of man is painfully depicted in the behavior of the Lord Jesus' own disciples. For in a short while, all the disciples will abandon him. Even though they said they would never do that. And furthermore, Peter would deny him three times before the rooster would crow. Even though Peter had just said he would never do that, he said he would die for him. You see, that is the nature of man. And you and I, we're not any different. We are not trustworthy. Christ himself reveals himself as the Christ, however, reveals himself as the truth. He says to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. He's the truth. He's faithful. They can trust the words that he speaks, for he is not like other men. He is the truth. He is God himself. And as such, he stands in opposition to the lie. He stands in opposition to Satan. Now he is about to defeat him. He is about to destroy the father of lies. Soon Pilate will ask him, what is the truth? He will ask him that question because he didn't really know. He didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, he didn't know the truth. But the Lord Jesus Christ does reveal himself to his disciples. And he reveals himself to you and to me as well, brothers and sisters. All those who know him know the truth. 
Indeed, the hearts of the disciples are troubled. That's understandable. They lived in a world full of lies. The biggest problem was not the lie around them, however, but was the lie in their own hearts. And because of that, they were blind. It would not be until after his death and resurrection that the disciples would start to begin to understand. Through the working of the Holy Spirit, they remembered the words that he spoke at that time just before his death, the words of these texts. And then they finally realized at that time that when he spoke these words, they were not just idle words. No, he meant them. They were true words. And only then did it begin to dawn on them. During the next few days, their loyalty to the Lord Jesus would be sorely tested and they would fail. And time and again, they will fail throughout their whole lives. Man continually does that. That is our nature. And that is why we need the Lord Jesus to heal us, to heal our hearts. And that is why the Lord Jesus says to his disciples and to you and to me, I am the truth. Believe in me. And only then can you also be part of the truth. For then the truth will dwell in you. Through faith you can become part of the truth. God will send his Holy Spirit into the hearts of God's children and establish them in the truth. And the Holy Spirit will cleanse us from our sins, which is what we need every day. For that's what ails us, our sins. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to receive the forgiveness of sins. Through him, we, made to be, we need to be made new creatures. However, something does have to happen in order for his disciples and for us to be able to receive the forgiveness of sins. The Son of Man, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, he had to leave the sinful earth in order to, to be with the Father. And so the Lord Jesus, as he tells them these words, he is preparing them for the fact that he has to go there. Christ knows how attached his disciples are to their home here on earth. He knew how they clung to this earth as if that is all there was. The disciples were uncertain about themselves. They were uncertain about the life hereafter. They weren't even concerned about this at this time. And therefore, their uncertain hearts had to be made sure another remedy they needed for their troubled hearts. We come to the second point. It's a very uncertain time for the disciples. They do not know what is happening. Everything is in turmoil. Lord Jesus thus told them that he's going to go away. And then he confuses things by saying that they know that they do not know the way that he is going or that they know the way that he is going. But how could they know? And therefore, Thomas, speaking for the rest of the disciples, says to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Well, Thomas, if he only had listened carefully, could have known the place to which Jesus was referring. Referring, he was speaking about his father's house. And he told them that there are many rooms there. 
And what is more, he is going to prepare a place for Thomas there and for the rest of his disciples. Father's house. Who's the father? That's, of course, God himself. He made that clear many times and in many ways. And where is Father's house? Well, they know that too. That's in heaven. And these are the things that Christ had been trying to tell the disciples all along. That it wasn't his intent to stay on earth. But it was his intent all the time to be with the Father because that's where he came from. Why was that necessary? Well, the disciples were too concerned about the here and now. They were looking for a comfortable place on earth. And that is why they wanted to have the Lord Jesus with them. And brothers and sisters, that's the way we all are. We want to be comfortable here on this earth, don't we? And there is nothing wrong with that as such. That's what God wants as well. He wants us to be one. He hates barriers between people. He hates it when we have feelings of estrangement, of not belonging somewhere, of being on the outside. And that is why he also created families where people love and care one another. And there's an incredible bond in families. For within families, you have a sense of worth and well-being. And that is why the Lord God also created a community of fellow believers. And that is why he wants us to be a church together. He wants us to be active participants in our family community and in our church community as well. He does not want us to exclude ourselves. And that is why it is also so important for us to be active church members. Gives you a sense of belonging. And he hates it when other people are excluded for wrong reasons. Think about that. How does that function in your home? Are there certain members in your family who are a little bit different? Who are not as easy to love? Do you treat some of your children or your grandchildren differently from the others? Don't worry. They notice and they grieve. And what about in the church? Let's think about that, brothers and sisters. Is the church a comfortable home for everybody? I know for most people it is, but never completely, of course. But there are some people here in this building who are hurting, who do not really feel that they belong. Because there are certain things that they do that are a little bit different. They have different ways of acting. And they have different ways of relating. And that can be for many reasons, because of their own background, because of the way that they're made up. Or they have different ideas about education. And they feel ostracized. And it hurts when I hear these things. It hurts the consistency when they hear that thing. And I'm sure it hurts you when you hear that. And also new members in the church, sometimes I hear that they don't feel part of the church. They don't feel part 
after the church service in the foyer, when they see groups standing around, they don't know how to penetrate those tight groups. They don't feel people reaching out to them. And now, don't think about yourself, about how you have been excluded. No, you think about how you exclude others. Because that is the only way that you can do something about that. God gives us the need to belong. The disciples needed to belong to that group together. The Lord Jesus, of course, teaches them that there's much more than that. But we do live here on this earth, and that is how God has created us. He has created us in communion. And that communion is very strong. And because people want to belong, we can also exploit that feeling of those people wanting to belong and to abuse them in a certain sense. But we have to be open and inclusive in the way that the Lord Jesus includes us. It's a lot of pain sometimes. And the Lord Jesus knows our pain. He knows the pain of the disciples. And he knows that the ultimate feeling of contentment can only be found in the life hereafter. That is why he points them to his father's house. And that is why he also says to them that he is going to prepare a place for them. Those are wonderful words because there you will truly belong. That is what God wants for you and for me. He wants us to be one, to be whole. But we have to practice that here on earth already. Thomas and the others, because they were so focused on the here and now, they made a wrong assumption. They thought that the Lord Jesus was speaking about a different way to their destination. They thought that the Lord Jesus wanted to escape from there and to go to another place, to go to an earthly place where they wouldn't be able to find him. That's why they were confused. They still thought that this earth is going to give them complete satisfaction. But our satisfaction ultimately is going to be found only in heaven. And heaven and earth are going to be reunited. But only after all the barriers have been removed. And that is why the Lord Jesus had to depart. Ultimately, the place in heaven is not what the great comfort is all about. It is not just that knowledge that's supposed to cure the uncertain hearts of the disciples in our hearts. No, the ultimate, person, the ultimate purpose of, this, of his going into heaven is so that Christ can be reunited with his disciples and with all his children here on this earth. That is what he is preparing. That is what he is preparing, brothers and sisters. And that is the hope that he is giving to his disciples. He's going to come again from heaven. And then he will renew all things. Heaven and earth will be united. And all those who belong to him will be able to be with him forever and ever. And then they will never be separated from him again. And that, brothers and sisters, is the hope he has also given to us as we grieve about the separation from loved ones. There are people here who mourn 
who mourn deeply because of loved ones that are no longer here. Well, that separation will not be forever. All of God's people will be reunited here on this earth. Currently, there is a separation between men themselves and between men and God, and it is painful to be separated from our loved ones. But that pain, God has created so that we have a desire to be whole, to be complete with him. Lord Jesus says, I am the truth and the life. In presenting himself as the life, he means life as opposed to death. Christ has life within himself. At the beginning of his ministry, he said to Nicodemus that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And that is the promise to all believers. He has life in him, for he is God. He is the God of life. He is the one who has created life. And he gives life to all those who belong to him. There is no longer any reason to be uncertain about eternity. And there you have another remedy for a troubled heart. The only way, however, that you can have all this is if you, if you allow your heart to be operated on. For you need to look at yourself. I need to look at myself. Do I have a heart of compassion? And then when you think about yourself, then you realize how you lack. And so you need heart surgery. However, most people are reluctant for that, for heart surgery is painful. Heart surgery disrupts your life. Not everybody is willing to pay the price. But that is the only way that the Lord Jesus can give you a permanent cure. Most people think that there is not really that much wrong with their hearts. They're doing okay. However, the scriptures clearly teach us that heart surgery is necessary. Radical surgery is absolutely necessary. And only the Lord Jesus Christ can do that surgery. And the wonderful news is that he also wants to. There's nothing that he likes better. We come to the third point. However, you have to know the way to him. You have to know how to find the Lord Jesus so that he can do that radical surgery on you. Disciples didn't understand at that time. They were looking about the road that the Lord Jesus was going to take. However, the Lord Jesus wants them to think about the road they had to take. For he says, I am the way. What does that mean? Well, in the first place, that means that he taught them the way. And that is what was predicted about him even before he was born. In the words of Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, Christ would come to guide our feet into the path or way of peace. Quoted in Luke 1, verse 79. And so he did. Christ came to earth to show the people the way to the Father. And the way to the Father is through obedience. The way to the Father is through compassion, through understanding. 
The Lord Jesus, he went to the down and out. He went to the weak of society. He went to the prostitutes. He went to those who were feeling badly about themselves and who wanted to be cured. He is the way. And if you do the will of the Father like the Lord Jesus did, then you know the way to him. He taught that in every way. He, Lord Jesus taught that in his words and he taught that in his deeds. Christ came in order to do the will of the Father. However, there is more to that. He now tells them that he actually is the way. What a great revelation. He is the way to the Father. For only he can cure their hearts so that they will be pure and without blemish. For that is the only way that you and I can approach the Father. That is the only condition in which they will be able to receive a room in the Father's house. They have to be pure. And therefore the way had become a synonym for the Lord Jesus Christ himself. For it was one of the early names for the Christian faith. The first time that we see that mentioned in the scriptures is in Acts 9 verse 2 where Paul was looking for Christians in the synagogues of Damascus so that he could find those who belonged to the way. In other words, to the Lord Jesus Christ. However, ye may know that he is the truth and the life and the way. There's one other thing that you must know, and that's most important. You must know what a great need you have for the Lord Jesus Christ. You must know why you need heart surgery. And that means you have to examine yourselves. As painful as that may be. The disciples and therefore also we have to know how terribly diseased our hearts are. How totally corrupt our hearts are. You and I, we must know ourselves for the sinful creatures that we are in need of redemption. You must realize how you are guilty for not loving your neighbor as yourself. David says in Psalm 51, a broken and contrite heart of God you will not despise. Indeed, it is not enough to know the way to the Father. You must also present the Lord your God with a broken heart. You must go to him and ask him to cure your heart. Without his cure for unsaved hearts, you will not live. The only way to the Father is through the Lord Jesus Christ. He has gone on high to prepare a place for all his children, and he has prepared a place for you. Trust in him. Keep on believing in him, and you will be saved. Give him your heart, and he will repair it. And once he is done with you, you will never need an operation again. Your heart will be renewed forever. It will beat forever for the Lord your God into eternity. Amen. Amen.